past several years. They didn't have a pick this year until the fifth round. And they're minus their first and second picks last year. Now next year. Third down. Long yardage needed for the first down. And Gabriel hits Vince Papali at midfield. That is not enough for the first down. Vince Papali, number 83, the second-year wide receiver. All right, Connor, we are back. We're back. We have our last guest of the day, uh, friend of the show, mm-hmm. someone I've been able to interview before, had the honor of interviewing before. He's come back again. Vince Papali, how you doing? Oh, great, man. So it's great to talk to you, Chris. Uh, this is so exciting. I have this. I know this isn't being broadcast on uh, Veterans Day, but I'm wearing this in honor of our veterans and anyone out there that served, and a happy 245th birthday to the United States Marines. Mm-hmm. So I'm a patriot all the way, but I know this is going on on Friday. But, you know, let's just think of our veterans and those that helped keep that dream alive. And Chris, as you know, after our conversations, that was this invincible thing behind me. It's all about the dream. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. just really cool. <laughs> it's wild. And we were talking a little bit uh, pre-show about what's behind you there. You have quite the garage and uh, <laughs> the wall of fame, the family wall of fame behind you there with us, your son's der- uh, jersey, your uh, your daughter's cheering stuff, your wife's gymnastic stuff. Like, how do you find room for all this stuff? And I, I don't have any room. I'm going to have to build. That's the, that's the crazy thing. I have a, I have a, I have another house. I, I, I our, 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 um, where I live is right outside of Philadelphia, a little, uh, right across the river in a little town called Cherry Hill. Mm-hmm. And in our home there, uh, we're just starting to break it down because we're set, we're putting it up for sale. And, and, and I have so much memorabilia. And it's, I, I like sort of ran out of room down there, you know, or up there where I live for, and I don't even know where I'm going to put it all. But th- this is sort of fun. Just, you know, real quick, uh, the USA jersey, anybody that saw the movie Invincible, they have my wife Janet portrayed as a Giants fan. And she, in reality, was a world-class USA gymnast. She was on that Olympic team mm-hmm. uh, back in uh, 72 that went to Munich. But she didn't make Munich because she sprained her ankle in the last event in the trials. Um, and But she did compete in the World Games. Went on, actually, and, and blew her knee out and dived, dove for Penn State, and wound up setting all Penn State's diving records and then coached at Penn. So that's her. Uh, Gabby, who's right next door here in the other room, uh, she works for the 76ers, and she does all the live entertainment for your 76ers. And, um, <laughs> and she uh, went to Syracuse University and was cheering up there, which is really cool. She's a great athlete. Uh, Vinny, you see the USA over there, and that's really a great, uh, a great match because you have mom and, uh, and son wearing USA jerseys. Vinny represented the United States when he was in high school um in 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 a game against canada and they played that game of all places in in dallas which was really cool (laughs) and um, and then you know we have the invincible stuff but you know it's all about uh, it's all about memories and dreams and and everybody coming together what you're not seeing and i showed you guys off camera because i can't flip it around is the scooter right there i should bring that around if we get a break and that mark Wahlberg gave us that back after that we got done shooting a movie in 2005 and that scooter was the scooter. He drove around the stadium where we were filming. Uh, he was all over the set, and he would always have Gabby and Vinny uh, on the scooter behind him. And Gabby at that time was nine, Vinny was six. And 
you know, they're all grown up and, you know, Mark's this mega star now and mm -hmm. just all over the world. He just got back from Spain and, oh yes, he's a great guy. And uh, we're really, we're still very, very close friends. Well, that's great to hear. Yes. Yeah. So this whole crew here are uh, students at Gonzaga and you told me off air that you have a story about Gabby with Gonzaga. You want to share that? Oh yeah, so it's a great story. I'm a big, we're, we're big uh, Mark Few fans and Zag fans now. That all started, but actually, but, uh, but even though you knocked off my alma mater, St. Joe's, <laughs> <laughs> I think, let's see, when was that? It was 2001, I think it was, and then you might have been in the Sweet 16. That was the great team with Jameer Nelson, and you know, mm -hmm. he went off that great, great career in the pros. But here's, a, this is really cool. So. Gabby is about six or seven years old, and she's in second grade. And her and her teacher, Mrs. Hughes, was a huge, huge basketball fan. And so, what she decided to do is she decided to give a project to the kids in her class, and there might have been 30, 32 kids. And it was the final 64. So she got to match up, and she put the board up, and she gave, and she had it. She had a um, a drawing, and you had to draw one of the teams in the final 64. And Gabby. Uh, drew the Zags, Gonzaga. And what they had to do then is they had to do some research on Gonzaga. And, and now it's not as quite, it wasn't as easy back then as it is now to get, you <laughs> yeah. know, to get data. You know, you just pop it up and you Google, you, you, you zing, you bing, you do whatever you want. You know, <laughs> you have, you have Siri, Siri. Uh, hey Siri, tell me about Gonzaga. And uh, there, there it is. You know, we didn't, we didn't, we, she'll start talking. Tell me there all are about 17 it. players on Gonzaga. You can also ask me about a specific I mean, yeah, how, how crazy and sick is that, right? Well, we didn't have that back then, you know, in the old days. So, uh, so, so, we're, so all together, we as a family uh, decided to do research together. And the more we found out about the school, the more we found out it was just like my alma mater, St. Joe's, a Jesuit school, you know, sort of in the community, uh, the same values, just almost the same background. And uh, that we just fell in love with the school. And, and when you know it, uh, the, the Zags wound up that year in the Sweet 16. And <clears throat> from now on, other than obviously St. Joe's Villanova, even though they're our arch rival um, in the Philadelphia area, Villanova I love because of Jay Wright. He was Jay Wright, the head coach for Nova, mm -hmm. uh, was my intern. Uh, actually, when I was working in USFL as a radio announcer, a marketing guy, and uh, Jay was just graduating from college and he started, he started working with me. So uh, it's pretty cool. So, you know, but uh, the Zags are always up there number one, and there you guys are, you know. Uh, you're ranked number number one right now in the AP. But, you know, like we were talking off air, right, Connor? We, you you got to deliver. Yeah, you if we don't it. deliver, what's the point of being number one? That's it. You know, but it's nice nice to at least say you were there at least. Exactly. <laughs> but, I'm you know, you got to get the ball into the net, got to get it into the end zone. And, uh, and uh, it's, that's always the struggle. But mm -hmm. you know what, man? You're number one now. You're on everybody's list. That's the thing. Sometimes it's everyone's going to come at us hard. Yeah, now. yeah. You, know, you want to be that. You want to be that, that that sleepy giant mm -hmm. that just comes out of nowhere, like you did back then, and that just overtook. Now, now nobody takes you for granted because you've been in the Sweet Sixteen. How many times? Six times, seven times, something like that. So yeah, we we've been yeah. up there now. It's it's definitely different than when your daughter was researching it in two thousand one when yeah. the, the team was still <laughs> just it getting was, to the like. Obviously, we had John Stockton back in the day, but other than yeah, that, really, yeah, until right. that two thousand until Adam Morrison team, wasn't a lot yeah. going on. Yeah, 
One of my favorite players, John Stockton, just, just a great guy. But anyway, anytime we see the Zags out there, we're always rooting for the Zags. So good luck to you, Bulldogs. So I, I, want, I have to ask you a question because in doing some of the research I saw, is that you came out, you had an Italian guy, right? His guy that founded the, uh, that, that founded the university, but you called yourself the Fighting Irish. How the heck did that happen? And so, you need, and so you switch names to the Bulldogs. Maybe you ought to do a little research and, and get back to me on that one. But that was, <laughs> I guess you didn't want to be like Notre Dame, right? Yeah, couldn't be, well, I'm sure Notre Dame became so big. We were like, well, we can't compete with that. Oh, <laughs> you can compete with anybody. Come on, don't ever say yeah. that. You know, look at David and Goliath, right? I mean, you know, David didn't do so bad. <laughs> Underdog story of the century, right there. Yeah, I mean that really is. But you guys really are the Davids of the NCAA back then. You know, you mm. came out of nowhere, and and then Mark Few, he's just got the program. Now all of a sudden, you're like a recruiting giant. Oh okay. yeah. Where do I want to go? Like in basketball, do I want to go to Gonzaga or you know or Duke? And the other ones, oh, do I want to go to Alabama or Clemson? You know, in football. So. Yeah, I mean, you guys are, you, you got a nice program going there. It's a beautiful thing. But, and they, uh, get, they get a lot of foreign overseas players, too. They yeah, man. Big, big destination mm -hmm. for those. Yeah, they're the, they're, they're the three-pointers. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they can fire. We have them on the Sixers, too. So it's all good, man. Mm -hmm. So you were saying that your son, who has done a lot with football, he played for Delaware, he had some tryouts with the NFL, um, is now down in San Antonio. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Vinny, uh, Vinny um, it, it came out of Delaware, did a, had a really nice career in Delaware, University of Delaware as a wide receiver, and he was. we, we thought he was slotted uh, for the draft, and we found out he had uh, sports hernias, and uh, not just uno, uno, but he had two, and uh, so we had surgery on them, and it sort of knocked him out of, of that NFL season in the XFL, and, but he got, did get picked up by Canada, and uh, Montreal Al West, and he was ready to go up there. And actually, he was out training not too far from you. He came all the way out to, to train with uh, Vernon Adams, uh, who was a quarterback for the Al West, and, and he was up there not too far from you, and uh, not too far from Seattle. And uh, then, he, uh, then they just shut the season down. So he came down. We're, we're right now, we're in, uh, we're in Jupiter, Florida, and Vinny trains at a, a place called XPE down in Boca, about Boca Raton. Okay about 30 miles south of here. And he trains with all these NFL guys. And then since he got to call and he got drafted into what's called the Spring Football League. And uh, he's now been out in San Antonio. He played his third game last night, had a great game. And uh, they have one more game next week. And I, I, I wasn't there last night, so that best one. And um, so he's out there as, as a wide receiver, special teamer. And, and um, you know, we know that he's eventually going to, he, he could get into the, uh, he will get into the CFL, but, mm -hmm. you know, the dream is to get into the NFL. That's where he wants to go. But he's 24, he's healthy, and feels pretty good. And, uh, you know, he's, he's grabbing attention. That's all, that's all you can do, you know. You take advantage of the opportunity, be prepared for it, and uh, run, you know, and go, mm -hmm. and then see, see what happens. Exactly. He's just working hard right now trying to get that, oh, yeah, that, yeah, that dream alive. Busting, that's what you got to do. Busting his hump. It's anything, though. You know, Connor, anything you want to do, whatever that dream, goal, vision – uh, opportunity is if you're not willing to pay the price to have it come true, just forget about it because it's just posing. But if you're willing to break a sweat every once in a while and go the extra yard, make second effort, you know, it's almost like I'm speaking now on a, on a stage, <laughs> which I miss so badly because um, of the COVID. But, uh, you know, there are all the things that you pull together and, you know, they're, they're basic fundamentals of, of success in anything that you want to do, anything.
So you talked a little bit about COVID. How has that affected your your uh, speaking arrangements and your meetings and things like that? How has that affected? Yeah, what yeah. You well, right now, yeah, right now, you know, I didn't even know how to spell Zoom, but I, I got it down pretty good, you know, and and, and do the whole thing, and it's, it's really wonderful to do uh, to do the Zoom cast to you, and I'm doing a lot of cyber casts right now. Uh, anybody that you know would love me to come out, I do it with a PowerPoint. It's pretty cool. I got some videos and all. You know, it's good at VincentPowell.com. But um, what happened was, is uh, right as everything was starting to unfold in February, and uh, Vinny, uh, when he was, he was, we thought healthy, not knowing that he had the sports hernias. Vinny was ready to go to a couple of pro days. He had three three pro tryouts set up set up already in the middle of March, and then I had. I had a whole bunch of appearances because the end of the end of the spring and the beginning of summer is a really busy time for me, because a lot of companies that's when their that's when their fiscal period is ending and they're starting with a new fiscal period and they'll bring me in to companies and conventions and speak. Well, guess what? They all got wiped out. Uh, Vinny's all his pro days, all his tryouts were canceled. We have this place down here, and and Gabriella who is working with the 76ers. Uh, they shut down their facility, which is right across the river that you can in, in Camden, New Jersey. So she had to go cyber, and Gabby does all the entertainment for the Sixers. Anything you see on the court, uh, that's basically what she does during a timeout and that stuff. So now everything had to go cyber, and, and, and you know, and, and then and then the the NBA decided to go. Uh, they went and they went under the bubble, not too far up north from here in Orlando, but Gabby was able to just stay here. She didn't have to go under the boat. So she's still here and uh, we've got this home here. And Vinny wanted to come down here and train, like I said, at XPE with all the guys that he trained with uh, prior to the draft. So he came back and trained. And so that, that's basically how it's, so I, I, I was totally wiped out, uh, nothing. And then usually now, as I was telling you guys, Chris and Connor, this is a very busy time of me. Mm -hmm. A year, time of year for me, because I'm always on a plane going somewhere around the country speaking. Uh, and but, you know, because of social distancing and you can't have the groups, you know, it's like a rock star, you know, they can't they can't have their concerts. So uh, I'm doing what everybody else has to do, even as a student. In most cases, we're we're doing it cyber. And, uh, you know, you learn to adjust and life's inaudible. And and here we are, you know, you got to roll with it. And thank God, Janet. Uh, my wife Janet, uh, the non-Giants fan, uh, she, she's a realtor down here in Florida and also in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. And real estate uh, is, is really booming, especially down here in Florida, because mm -hmm. all the refugees are getting out of, the, out of, out of New York and, uh, and Boston. So uh, they're, they're just they're coming on mass down here. So you know the, the road. So she's been able. We're we're doing good. We did good. You know we invested wisely, and you know you got to prepare for that rainy day. And, we didn't expect every day to be a tornado, but you know, we'll eventually get through this and, and everything will hopefully get back to normal. The new, yeah, all these, yeah the new speak. It's like 1984 for crying out loud. You mentioned um, your wife, Janet, not being a Giants fan um, and how the movie just uh, displayed your guys' relationship was completely different than what actually happened. How did you actually meet Janet? Uh, how did I meet her? Well, it's it, it really pretty cool, actually. I, I met her in 1976. I was a rookie, and um, and they were, there was this big party by Jack Kelly, uh, who you in Philly you would know who he is, but you would know who his sister was, and it was um, and it was Elizabeth, it was uh, Grace Kelly, and she married uh, the guy from the, the big guy from 
uh, from uh, out there. Oh my God, Prince Rainier. And uh, anyway, so there was this big party, and 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 when you know it, uh, Janet, I didn't know it. She was 22 years old then, and she was the head gymnastics coach at the University of Penn, and uh, and she knew Jack Kelly because Penn was a big. He he went to Penn, and and, and Janet was at all these functions because she had to do it for fundraising. And uh, so I, I met her there, but we didn't date. Uh, we didn't quite hit her off, as they say. And and then uh, 16 years later, right before the Barcelona games, uh, a friend of ours tried to play Cupid, and uh, we met again. And we again we didn't hit it off. And then she went to Barcelona. She did the Olympics and came back about four months later. We saw each other again and decided, hey, you know, let's go and have a have a, a little uh, after dinner or something or other cocktail and. We hit it off, and uh, when you know it, that was '93, and we got married right away. And then Gabby got born, and here we are. You know, two two kids later. I have to tell you though, uh, you know, the next one is how did she become a Giants fan? Because uh, the NFL, in the original script, we had her as a gymnast, mm -hmm. uh, but the NFL, in order to get their endorsement figures, so that we could we could we could use you know like we could use their brand their their uh, branding and all that stuff mm -hmm. the nfl said well we'll endorse you and give you the branding rights but we would like your your love interest to be a giants fan and we'd like her to be a bartender so i said <laughs> damn it you know you can you can take off that jersey over there and you know you can have blue you can have blue and white instead of red white and blue and she said i'm okay with that and because she went to penn state and uh, so anyway, she said, not a, not a problem. It's your movie, not mine. And, and there we are. And that's how it happened. <laughs> it's great. It's great. And everywhere I go, hey, you wait till a Giants fan. How'd you do that? I said, I did it. You'd have to give me a lobotomy. No offense. What <laughs> about, about that Yankee set you got on there, Chris? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, don't worry. It doesn't go with the Giants, though. Just the Yankees. Yeah. How did, how did it feel um, when they were coming up with the script and stuff like that, that they changed some things about your life in the movie. Yeah, yeah, they, 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 uh, they, they mess around a little bit, you know, but the one, one of the things we wanted to make sure we did, and we were just sort of doing this on the fly, uh, and the guy who did it and took the big risk was Ken Mock. He was the guy that originated America's Next Top Model, mm -hmm. right? And, and so, uh, and he, he was the guy that took the risk. He got the, he got the screenwriter, and I sat down and, and we didn't have we, we didn't have all this, you know, when this script was being written back in 2000, 2002, 2003, uh, the research, everything we didn't we, we didn't have FaceTime, you know, you didn't have you didn't have uh, Google was just starting to come out. So we were just talking on the phone most of the time. And, and then I finally got a chance to meet them. And uh, what they what they, they a couple of times when I saw the first script and I said, whoa, 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 you know, this happened over here and that happened over there. And they said, listen, look, we know how to make movies. You just you sit back and relax. And, uh, and, and I did. And here, here's what um, the biggest the biggest thing was obviously Janet. Uh, they All the football stuff was absolutely the way it was. Uh, training camp, um, the, the training camp, uh, when I try out, when I had to try out in real life, the tryout was in April. And then training camp was right before the 4th of July in 1976. So I had, once I signed that contract, I signed the contract right after the tryout. Mm. Uh, act, and the scene in the movie where you see Dick Vermeil were in the parking lot and he says you're faster than that car of yours. That actually did occur in, in, in the elevator uh, at Veterans Stadium right after the tryout. He knew who I was and then I was told to go up to the executive offices. And I signed the contract right on the spot. At that time, 
I was on a leave of absence from my teaching job of six years. Mm -hmm. I was working on my master's degree and I was also a full-time, I was a head track coach assistant, I mean, head track coach assistant football coach. And I was on a leave of absence because I had this dream to play in the NFL. And they said, okay, we're going to let you get away from this. And I was mm -hmm. playing in the World Football League. And then that league folded and, um, and then the tryout with the Eagles game. So as soon as I signed that contract, I started training every day with Roman Gabriel, you know, a guy that should be was with the LA Rams back then. He should be in the uh, in the Hall of Fame. But and then to to subsidize my uh, my income, I was a part-time bartender, mm -hmm. and every once a substitute teacher. So that's how they fit that into the movie. But they didn't go back. They just stayed right at that at that point. So that was number one, and, and number two was um, I didn't I didn't play in that one touch football game in the uh, in the mud then I, I went to the game but I didn't play in it and I warmed up with the team just to mess around with the guys we were playing against they, oh, they thought I was crazy anyway and uh, so I, I did that and uh, but I didn't play in the game but they, they, other than that you know a couple of, uh, and, and my first wife um, she really did walk out on me and left that note I mean that was true and that's one of the most often asked questions but 90 95 percent of the movie was right on the money and uh, some stuff, you know, with time and events, they ch they did change it around to yeah. give it an effect and to give what they call play, so they get a reaction from the audience. So it was pretty neat. And that Mark and Elizabeth and and uh, uh, and that whole crew that was there, Greg Kinnear, it was wild. So so wild. So when you were done with football, <laughs> uh, you suffered injury in '79, and then you went into broadcasting. You said that was for right. the USFL. Uh, yeah, I was in the I was I was in broadcasting. You can you can almost you'll probably see the shoulder uh, right there when I had the separation. It was up like it was up like over my ear. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, I, and actually I got four seasons in. Wikipedia says three. But my fourth year was on injured reserve. Uh, I, in the first preseason game, I reseparated the shoulder that I had surgery on mm -hmm. in the off season. And then uh, I was still I was playing with a separation, so I go in. Uh, the coach told me to come out of the game that I was done because I had a good game and I said one more play because the guy that re-separated me gave me a cheap shot he was returning punts and I figured I had to get even with him and I was going to kill him and and I got him <laughs> I got him pretty good but the problem is I didn't go in my right shoulder so I came with my left and it was a little bit wet and he and he just jiggled at the last second so instead of hitting him with my head across and my shoulder here I caught him right here and it just ripped my arm out of my shoulder blade. Ooh. So I had, a, I had a dislocated right and it separated, uh, dislocated left and it separated right. So <laughs> that was the end of that. But in the off seasons, I, I actually was working for CBS Philly, uh, Channel 10, uh, as a weekend sportscaster. So they brought me on full time. Uh, but the, the, then once, um, then they brought in somebody else and, uh, you know, I just became, I, I became, I, just, I was sort of cut from their roster and I got out of the, the, the TV end of things, which was, I, I thought I was going to go network. Actually, I was chosen to go network and, and train up with networks. Well, that, that would have been pretty cool. But anyway, I, I wound up working with the stars, the USFL, mm -hmm. and Carl Peterson was uh, the, who, you know, our general manager at the Eagles, who was Kansas City Chiefs, Dick Vermeil's guy and all that. He was a president and he brought me in with the stars and Jim Mora uh, was the head coach practice, we were practice, you know, that was the, the infamous Jim Mora, you know, when he was with the Saints, and such a great guy, and a phenomenal team, and I was their, I was their color analyst, their, their analyst, and, and also I did a lot of marketing, and at that point, that's when Jay Wright, K 
came in and started working mm -hmm. with me. So and I was into broadcasting for, for a few years and I did radio in Philly. Actually, uh, when the Sixers won the world's championship uh, back in the 80s, I, I did the pre and post game show for, for the radio broadcast, which was really cool. And uh, ironically, you know, uh, Gabby works for the Sixers now. But then I got into uh, sales and marketing for the last 25 years and then boom, the movie came out 14 years ago. And, Next thing you know, you know, like you got, you got to be able to be flexible and you know, be agile. So, and then I, I transformed myself into a, into a, in a speaker, and they, they call me a tier one speaker, which I don't know what it means, but I think it, it's better to be tier one. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, top tier. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, it works out, you know, and I'm getting back. At it. I'm looking forward to 2021, getting up on the stage again and doing my annex and having fun with everybody. <laughs> What did you do uh, immediately following broadcasting? Like when well, I got into uh, I, I got into the, the mortgage business, uh, ironically, and and, uh, and and did very well in the mortgage business. And in order to, which is really cool, in order to uh, get a feel for what the uh, what the realtors do, I, I, I got my realtor's license. So everybody in our family has realtor's licenses. And uh, but I don't I don't and Vinny Vinny's he, he's going to get his. He's about ready to get it, but. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna activate it. But that's what I did, and then, mm. uh, and then I was. Um, I, I did. Um, I, I was working with a, the guy that was the CEO of my mortgage company. Became the CEO of Sally May Student Loan People, and uh, so then I wound up. He says, "Come on, man! I want you to come with me." And I started working with him nationally, mm. and uh, it was really cool because we did. A, we had a really cool program uh, called the First in the Family. So. We would give a ten thousand dollar grant that you didn't have to pay back a grant as opposed to a loan to somebody who was the first in their family uh, to go to college. Oh, and that's we great. did it usually in, in a depressed area, you know, and it was it was just and I was the guy that would give that award out. And I gave ten of them out. You know, they gave a hundred thousand dollars in grants back then. And then the movie came out and then I was being I was being taken uh, so much by the movie, asking, having it, you know, getting into the speaking side of things. I sort of, sort of retired myself from Sally May, and that's what I've been doing for the last 14 years, sort of. <laughs> that's of awesome. I'm just, I'm just being a dad, you know, that that's a great oh, thing, yeah. because, you know, the cool thing is, is throughout all that, I, I, I was able to see everything Gabriella did when she was cheering, anything that Vinny was doing when he was playing all the sports that he was playing, mostly the cross and and football and, and Janet. So I, I could control my schedule and, and I never, and the, the kids will say that, you know, the thing about my dad is he never missed any, I never missed an event, which was cool. And it was just like my father, my father worked at Westinghouse. It's but like, you know, back then we didn't have travel soccer. We didn't have travel this, travel that. Everything was within a, a five mile radius. It was all within the communities around suburban Philadelphia. But my dad was always there. My mother, unfortunately, suffered from mental illness, and she was confined to the either in a, in a hospital, mental hospital, or in our house, and I wasn't comfortable going out anywhere. So she really, she never saw me compete uh, beyond my ninth grade, and then she started having some issues. But mm. you know, my dad was always there for me, and I swore that if I ever had kids, that I would never miss anything, even if it were practice. I, sometimes I'd take a red eye just to when when, when Vinny or Gabrielle would wake up. They'd wake up and they'd see me there and wonder, how's he here? I mean, he was he was in California last last night, you know. But that's what you do, you know. And, and it's a beautiful thing. So, 
you know, it's my wife, it's my kids and, and my wife, so it's pretty cool. I have a great, great life, no complaints. I would, anybody say, do you want to do it over again? I love it just the way it is. That's fantastic. I always, I love to hear from people like that when they're just like, they're happy with how it went. You know, hey, listen, you, 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 know, I mean, you know, Connor, it's, it's, it's always a bumpy road. You know, it's never, oh, yeah. you go to A to Z, you're never going to just get there in a straight line. It's sure. you know, all over. And my buddy was a boxer. His name was Joey Giardello, you know, back in, back in the box. He was, he was like the original Rocky. He was, mm -hmm. I mean, you talk about the poster child for Rocky. This was this guy, Joey Giardello, you know, and he, he says, yo, Vinny, you know, Vinny, you know, you got a problem with such a boxer know? name. That's and, such uh, a good boxer name. <laughs> and, and he was, and it was just great, you know, and, and, and that's what life is, you know, life is just bobbing and weaving and, and calling audibles and, uh, you know, doing your adjustments. And it, it's, it's, our general manager wrote a book called Life's an Audible, which is cool. That's, 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 you got, especially now, man, if, if you're not, if you get it right now, now, you're going you know, to wind up goofy. <laughs> um, you mentioned during that talk about uh, the grant for the for college. Um, it seems like charitable actions have been a big part of your career. Uh, what was it like working with the uh, Eagles Fly for Leukemia? Oh my God, Connor, that was that was incredible. You know, I, I'll never forget uh, uh, the general manager Jimmy Murray came up to me one time and he says, "Hey Vince, what are you doing Friday night?" I said, "I, I don't know. You know, I practice Saturday." He said, there's a beef and beer right around the corner. We'd like you to go there. <clears throat> All the benefits going to go to the Eagles Fly for Leukemia. I said, what's that? He said, well, that's our big charity. You'll know all about it. And here what it was, was um, we had Children's Hospital in Philadelphia, CHOP, which is now huge. It's world-renowned. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they had the oncology ward, and they had these kids with cancer. And most of it was leukemia. Mm. So it turned out the Eagles had a tight end. And uh, back in the day, and his daughter had leukemia. And what they did is they then came up with this Eagles Fly for Leukemia. So every dollar raised was matched by the owner, Mr. Toast, Leonard Toast. Mm -hmm. So if we go to a beef and beer and there'd be $2,000 raised, Leonard Toast would give that $2,000. That would be tax-free and it would go to the Eagles Fly for Leukemia. Mm -hmm. Well, now you hear about the Ronald McDonald House. Well, the Ronald McDonald House is is 40 years old. I was there at the first Ronald McDonald House grand open. Mm. And, uh, and it was all a result of the Seagulls Fly for Leukemia. So that was my first, uh, that was my first foray into, into that. Now, uh, ironically, I'm a cancer survivor. Mm -hmm. and, and I do a lot for cancer. And, and, and I do a lot now for the veterans and for the police. Uh, the, one of the reasons I'm down here in, um, in, in Jupiter is because uh, four or five years ago, I was asked to be guest speaker at an event for the uh, for survivors, Blue Lives, Blue Lives um, families, and the survivors of those officers who have been have been taken out or who have have died. And um, and and I came down here and, and just being a part of this community and getting to know everybody, uh, we just fell in love with it. That's one of the reasons I'm here now. And also, there's the Travis Mannion Foundation, my good friend. Uh, Colonel Tom Mannion, and I meet a lot of these people because of speaking engagements. He's, he says, come on down to McGuire Air Force Base, I want you to speak. He said, we're having this, uh, this benefit golf tournament for my son Travis, who got killed in Fallujah, and then the more you know about it, it's this unbelievable story. He says, if not me, then who? And they have this whole char character matters thing, and now my mm -hmm. friend Tom Mannion, who was a 30-year Marine veteran, and I wished him a happy, but, and he's coming down here to hang with me for for three months and, and, and another month. 
and uh, he asked me to speak, and he's become my best friend. I spoke to Navy SEALs and the guy that ran the SEALs. The guy's now one of my best buddies. I spoke to the FBI and the guy that was that ran the FBI there. We all, all three <laughs> guys, we all Eagles fans, and we all hang together now. It's like the greatest thing in the world. But the beauty of it is it's helping other people. For and, sure. Uh, yeah, and that's that's basically, Connor, that's the, that's the long and short of it. And I, you know, my kids are involved. Gabrielle is a big um still and she's got a little sister in the big brothers big sisters program mm -hmm. and, uh, and and my son Vinny uh will, will volunteer for any charitable event that has been asked to do you know and, and that's, that's always incredible and, and janet's the same way so uh you know we're, we're we're we like to give you know givers get basically that's the way that you know givers get and the last hour that you raise could be the dollar they find secure simple as that exactly i mean you mentioned yourself that you're a cancer survivor um and reading up on you a lot of people have credited you with getting checkups and discovering that they have it as well what's it like been to be so open about your own diagnosis to help other people well you know it's it's just what you do uh, you yeah. know that that was pretty easy the open part was uh, is discussing mental illness that that i had to deal with in our family mm -hmm. and my mother you know and now it's it's an open table uh, back then though you know nobody wanted to discuss it but this was something that was going on in the 50s and 60s and I was struggling with because every time I'd come home, you know, there would be something going on and it was very difficult. And if it weren't for school teachers and coaches, um, I don't know if I, how I would have gotten through it. My dad was a, a hardworking guy, never got beyond the eighth grade. He was a pig farmer growing up. My mom never got beyond the eighth grade. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there was just, you know, it was different. They, they were always there for me, but it, you know, he was he was just consumed with trying to make sure he was keeping the house together and paying the bills with me and my, and my sister and trying to get her through college. And uh, thank God for my teachers. And that's why I wound up school teaching mm -hmm. from graduating from college. I said, I want to teach. I want to coach. And I, and I want to coach with the guy, my football coach, and coach with them. Well, you know, I had the honor of doing that for four years before he moved on. And then I eventually uh, started chasing the other dreams. So... You gotta give us get. You gotta get involved. For sure. You you said that you coached, but after you playing and your broadcasting and stuff, why didn't you get more into coaching? Well, I was thinking about it. You know, it's funny you say that. Um, you know, and and, and Coach Ramil had uh, had offered because I because Coach was coaching, and and he said, but I'd like you to go back and and coach in the college ranks for a while. So I sort of checked it out, and and then I wanted to find out what the responsibilities were. And at that particular time, I wasn't ready to give up what I was doing and, and just start again and, and go back and get into the recruiting thing and, and all that. And I, I, I thought that I had something to offer at the pro level. And actually, um, uh, that there was uh, when there was a coaching change with the Philadelphia Eagles, um, Coach Ramil was up for, for hire and, and somebody else was chosen over Coach Ramil. And if Coach had gotten that job, I would have come with them and I would have been in charge of community relations and player uh, player relations uh, with Coach Ramil, but it didn't happen, and uh, so I, I just stayed in the private sector and, and and got in sales, and I was very successful in sales. Once I finally uh, got the confidence, and everybody laughs, you know, got the confidence to ask somebody, you know, please, <laughs> and they say, "Were you crazy, man? You did something nobody's ever done before. Made the Philadelphia Eagles, and you're afraid to ask somebody, hey, please." But uh, now, you know, it, was, it, it got easy. But uh, hey, you know, it was successful for me. And 
like I say, uh, it's you know the things that it's the uh, the multiplier effect or the butterfly effect. You know, if I had done that, I never would have met Janet. And then if I didn't met Janet, I wouldn't have had Gabby. Wouldn't have any, you know, and all the beauty that's in my life. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a happy man. So it's all good. Do you think that in today's NFL they could ever do? an open tryout like they did back then with all the talent that comes in and all the different player pools and stuff like that. Do you think it would ever happen again? Well, I don't think it'll happen again, but it should happen again, Chris. I think it'd be a lot of fun. I know some guys have played with it. Um, and uh, yeah, there, they, as you say, there's great player pools out there, but they're thinking right now they have the spring league, they have the XFL, mm-hmm. you know, what's going on with Vinny right now. You know, these are parts of those player pools. And, um, but I would, I would just love to see that. It, it would be a lot of fun. There might be just that one guy. You know, Dick Vermeil didn't, he, he, everybody thought he was the first to ever do it, but actually it was George Allen that did it with the Redskins back in 74. Mm-hmm. And he got a free agent by the name of Herbo Key, who became a great special teams player. And, and he went on and had a pretty nice career with the Redskins. And, and George Allen was Dick Vermeil's mentor. So he says, well, if he can find one, maybe I'll find my Herbert Key. And then he, he did in, in number 83. And, and I was the guy. And, uh, but he never did it again, which surprised me. I, I couldn't figure it out. So how does it feel knowing that your life story is now one of the biggest sports classics of all time? Pretty sick, man. <laughs> That's all I can say. It's like, okay, you know, can I, can I pinch myself without leaving a mark? But um, yeah. So, uh, it, it's wild. Uh, it's, it's still, I, I still, it, it's funny. You know, I have guys, it, it's like, here, here's a cool one. Adam Thielen, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Adam Thielen, great wide receiver for the, uh, for the Minnesota Vikings. And, and, and so, when the Vikings were playing the Eagles uh, in, in a couple of years ago in the NFC Championship in Philadelphia, they're comparing Adam Thielen to me. You know, the guy came from, the streets basically, and then he winds mm-hmm. up being a star in the NFL. But I, I never got a chance to be like Adam <laughs> Thielen and get a trillion dollar contract. It's ironically his uh, his his agents, my son Vinny's agent, uh, Blake oh, yeah. Barrett. So and I called him because I said, you know, I said, you know, my son's been compared to Adam Thielen, and then when you know it, he called some people and they said, you're right. So anyway, uh, so there's so um, it, it's so uh, anyway, I, I get out on the sidelines. And, and, and I say, yo, hey, 17, 17, what's up, man? And he looks over, he says, oh my God, the legend. And he, and he called me a legend and I had to start laughing. And now I, I meet a lot of guys and guys that I put up in a pedestal and they, and they call me a legend. I said, oh God. So it's, it's wild, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. you, you can't even imagine what it's like, but um, look, I, I still, and what the thing is, is I, I don't like, you know, when Vinny, uh, Vinny caught a beautiful touchdown a couple uh, weeks ago in the game, and it was on national TV, it was an FS1. And in the stands, it, we're at the Alamo Dome, you know, there's like 50,000 seats and there's 100 people in, this, in, the, in, the, in the dome. And I'm in a section all by myself. I mean, not anywhere, anywhere near <laughs> me. I am socially distanced in bold italics, you know, everything letter. You know, still with my mask half on, and, you know, so I don't choke on the damn thing. And, uh, and Vinny catches this beautiful, you know, catching the end zone over his shoulder. And I just got up and, and did this. And, and when you know it, you know, there's a camera on me. And, and 
I said, oh man, you know, so poor Benny, you know, he has this, he has, he catches this beautiful pass and he has to deal with his old man invincible. You know, <laughs> you know, just, you know that's, that's when it gets a little bit cumbersome. You know, I, I never wanted to interfere and overshadow my family and my children, but mm-hmm. right now, you know, they're, they're pretty much used to it. It's all good. Yeah, it's, still, it's still wild. It, it, it's still, uh, it, it, it's still a lot of fun. I think the family's done pretty well. With the, yeah, they're with the invincible. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're they're doing good. They're still chasing their dreams. And, mm. and uh, hey, lights like like say, you just gotta just gotta keep grinding. Every day's grind. Win the day. Win the day. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you wanna promote real quick before we wrap things up? Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. You know, I was saying earlier, uh, I've got I've got a, a really cool book out there. It's on Amazon. I, I just happen to have these here. And uh, it, it's called it's called the Last Laugh, and and it's called uh, Vision to Victory. And uh, Dennis Franks um, is my teammate, roommate. You saw the movie, and the guy that came up, you know, talked about the knuckles. Mm-hmm. Well, he's my best friend. He lives uh, he lives uh, right in, right near Charlotte, and uh, he's godfather of my children. And, and we have a picture in the Hall of Fame called the Last Laugh. You can Google that up. And it's after I I made a big hit against the Washington Redskins to save the game, as they say. And then Dennis picked up the ball he, but it was it was sort of that was a prototype for the last scene in the movie mm-hmm. and uh which really did happen something like that and so that that's that you know it's in amazon the last laugh vision of victory and of course you know vincentpowery.com for anybody's soccer kids and gabrielle and i were actually in the throes of doing exactly what you and colin are doing and we have a we have a podcast that's going to be coming up for a okay. after thanksgiving uh and it's going to be called gabbing with invincible all puns intended and uh and gabby's going to take the millennial point of view i'm the old school goat you know i'm not <laughs> the greatest of all time i'm really a goat and uh we used to drink goat milk back the way my grandfather's farm <laughs> and uh and, and so that that's it you know and uh that, that, you know there are the, the, the things i'm doing but it is fun but you know Hey, lace of joy, and uh, and, I, and just for everybody out there, you know, we, we've got a change in everything that's going on right now, and I'm just going to ask and implore everybody. And I said I didn't want to get political, but come on, let's everybody come together and let's look at life as if it's a locker room, or let's look at life as if it's a, a Navy SEAL boat going over waves. Where you, or anybody in the locker room, you look around, you don't see, you don't see color, you don't see religion, you don't see background. All you see is your teammate. And, and who do you play for? You play for your teammate. And, and, and you try to get into the goal line. And I think if we take that philosophy in life, things are going to be a lot better and a lot easier for us. And, and please, I know that the mask thing and everything, you know, just please be safe and, and be respectful. Uh, treat everybody you meet as the most important person you've ever met. And life will be a lot easier and a lot better right now as we go through this. Because people right now are freaked out. And you're, like, you're having the snow up there. We'll never see it down here. But I can't imagine, you know, and you're getting getting enclosed. You know, people are getting freaked out by this. And, and we've got to stay in this together as if we're one team. Just like the Zags. Number one in the AP poll, baby. Let's go. Yeah. Be rooting for you guys, the Zags. Much appreciated. So, Vince, I've told you this story before, but I'll say it again because the new audience, I don't know if Connor's ever heard it. Um, but I told you this the last time we interviewed so it was in the early 2010s, um, a couple of friends and I decided to go to Philadelphia Soul in the, the, the conference championship or it was something like that. Tickets were like $10, we decided to go in and we're there and the announcer says, um, now we want to introduce 
and Mr. Invincible himself, Vince Papali, and it goes right, a camera's right on you, and we're looking at it. We're like, hold on a second. And we look up two rows. You were two rows in front of us. <laughs> you were right in front of us the whole time. We had absolutely no idea that you were there because we, you know, we're watching the game. Everything's going on. The Philadelphia Soul games, by the way, are a lot of fun. Oh, they were great. Yeah. A lot of fun. Yeah. Jaws, my teammate and best friend, uh, Ron Jaworski, you know, was, was uh, one part ownership. And, you know, I was sitting there with Costa and Nicola, who's, part, who's one of the agents for. Uh, for Patrick Mahomes. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, it was fun. I love the soul games. I have I have soul jerseys uh, all over the place. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I really miss them in football. Yeah, it's funny. Like the Philadelphia Soul are like a really that, known yeah. team. They're like a really known football team, and yeah. it's probably the only arena football team that's like a really known football <laughs> team because most of them don't really last too. Well, speaking of arena football too, teams, too the Spokane Shock was supposed to come back this year uh, with the season, um, and they're going to restart up next year. Yeah. Um, but apparently, that was a pretty well-known brand until they folded. Um, but now that they're coming back, people are pretty excited up here. They have to be the, like the most tenured team in arena football, the Philadelphia Soul. But those games yeah, are a lot of fun. They, yeah, they they they. Eventually, just shrunk and you know, with uh, you know, money and, and uh, whatever. So, um, it's, it's it's sad, you know, it gave some guys an opportunity. And for us, you know, I, I just like that. It's like getting all across, I like that boxing across. It's a lot of fun. Always action, music's gone, and you know, it's, it's good time. So, yeah, I remember that it was pretty cool. Yeah, well, Vince, thank you for your time. Thank you so hey, much for joining us. Hey, welcome, Connor. Hannah, see you. Hey, we'll be rooting for the Zags, man. Thanks for much. Go Zags. Yeah, fly goes fly. All right, we're number one at the NFC East. <laughs> See ya. We'll be right back. Bye, right, man.